0: Welcome to the 27th episode of It Wasn't Me, a true crime podcast, where we talk about murders that intrigue
1: us. I am Cindy. And I am Mercedes. Thank you for listening to last week's episode where a sadistic, charismatic cult leader murders two of his own flock.
0: Fair warning, our show can be extremely horrifying and graphic, and we will use offensive language. So if you have kids, put them away for a while and join us for murder. Also, be forewarned, we are passionate and always have been about true crime. But sometimes we will make jokes and we will laugh during this podcast.
1: For more information and links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages, visit our website at it wasn't me truecrime.com. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, and please give us a five-star rating. While you are there, leave a comment telling us which murder intrigues you. And if you like our show, please consider supporting us through patreon.com forward slash it wasn't me pod. We appreciate our Patreon supporters more than we can express with words. Thank you so much. Hey Mercedes, how are you? Well, Cindy, I'm COVID free, thank goodness. So <laughs> um yeah, getting a little irritated, a little bit irritable with the fam. But other than that, all is good.
0: Yes. My husband is still working, so thank you, Jesus.
1: Oh, mine is too, but when he comes home, well yeah, he was home all day yesterday because yesterday was Easter. So it was nice having him home, but man, I'm trying to get things done and uh, yeah, my day doesn't stop just because you choose to stay home all day.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> Have you watched anything lately?
1: Actually, no, because he's been on this. <laughs> I call it a middle school soap opera, but <laughs> he has been on this binge. just all American, I think is what it's called. And I mean, literally, it's about football in high school. Oh, and, I mean, he's like so into it. So, no, I haven't watched anything on TV.
0: Uh, well, I, uh, I finished watching 60 Days In. I don't know why people volunteer to go to jail.
1: No. no. Yeah. I don't know why people would watch it. Did you learn anything from it? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I, um, actually, I've spotted a few people out in the public, and I'm like, oh, they look like they might have been in jail because of how they're, like, having their hands down the front of their pants. Yeah, we, we talked about that about last week, <laughs> yes, didn't we? Yeah. Yes. Oh. So I finished watching all of that, and now I've decided I'm going to go back, and I started season one. Of the Golden Girls.
1: Ah, oh, that's right. You were telling me that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I
0: think a little little cheery laugh after some of the shit we've been reading lately. Yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> it's good to just watch, you know, like mindless comedy, yes. honestly. And yeah. really,
0: I had forgotten just how funny. Yeah. I mean, I'm just laughing. And my husband's like, what? Oh, I tell are you, you what, laughing My go
1: to always when I really want to laugh is Impractical Jokers. <laughs> and ridic- yes. impractical jokers ridiculousness I said, it, yes it, it, oh and we watched um Cheech and Chong the other <laughs> night and I I'd seen it as a child but yeah. I missed so much oh, yeah. you know back then and I, I mean we laughed our asses off it oh, was I so bet. funny I bet yeah.
0: and I was telling my husband I was like you know I'm watching and I'm getting the jokes that the golden girls are saying and I'm like oh and the. I laughed then, but now I get it. Right. Now you're an adult.
1: You're looking at it through different eyes. Very Different perspective. Yeah, That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, I just, before we we forget, before we get into the murder, I wanted to remind um, our listeners about collaboration that we're going to have with Ariel from Malice. And that is coming, like, around the 1st of May. We'll give you more details. But also make sure you listen all the way to the end because we're going to do some shout outs of um, people who have subscribed and given us five star reviews and left some um, something that we can read, but we're not reading those today.
0: Yes. This is going to be exciting.
1: Yes. I'm excited. So, so what's up, Cindy? What are you going to talk to us today about? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to pose a question
0: to you first. Okay. All right. So can you tell me and our listeners the difference between a spree killer Versus a serial killer.
1: Okay, so I think I can. All right. So you did Stephen Oaken, Oaken in Baltimore, Maryland, and he was a spree killer. It's kind of Correct. like just killing people in a short period of time, whether they're random. I don't know. Would they be random? Um,
0: spree no, kill- not, necessarily not necessarily random, but in quick succession. Yes, that's not- yes. Um, There's no cooling off period, per se. Right,
1: okay. So serial killer, they're more, you know, like every month on the full moon. Or there's more a a pattern established instead of, like, um, you know, really fast.
0: Right, right. So according to the FBI, um, the general definition of spree killer is a person, or more than one person, who commits two or more murders without a cooling off period.
1: So would your pissy and missy, would those be spree killers? No, they were serial killers. They were serial killers, but they were on a spree. Am I correct?
0: Yes, but I think there was more of, um,
1: like an M O. or yes. something in there. Mm-hmm. So there must be like a like a pattern established within an M O. Kind of like what we talked about in in the in the New Mexico case where, gosh, I can't even remember that guy's name, the murderer's name. But it's okay; it's not important. In
0: Hobbs, New Mexico.
1: In Hobbs, New Mexico. Yes. So he was. He was. Not a serial killer because they couldn't establish a pattern.
0: Right. And, okay. and they're saying that the lack of the cooling off period marks the difference between a spree killer and a serial killer. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So, with that said, let me introduce you to a real psycho.
1: Okay. Maxim Gelman. <laughs> Maxim even sounds like a psycho name. I'm sorry. Yes. Maxim yes. sounds like, you know, like the Russian mafia or something.
0: Well... All right. So um, I recently watched an episode. Is he Russian? Well, he's Ukrainian.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, part of Russia for a time. Yes, right. yes. USSR. Yes,
0: um, I recently watched an episode of the AE show called The Killer Speaks. And the episode was titled Mad Max.
1: Oh, okay. Well, he was truly mad. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So I knew immediately that we needed to cover this maniac because I was watching it and I was like, holy shit. This is, I mean,. This guy was out of his mind. Okay. All right. So I read several articles, but the bulk of my information did come from the interviews because they actually interview him. Oh. They
1: interview him. They interview... The killer speaks. He yeah. actually speaks. I to yeah. say maybe I watched some of this the other night. Yeah, this was like season one, episode two. Yeah, not this particular episode, but... All
0: right. So a lot of my information did come from that interview. So I want to give you a little background knowledge on this gem of a man. His name is Maxim Gilman. He was born May 31st, 1987 in the Ukraine. He immigrated to the U.S. in 1996 along with his mother, joining his father, who was already here two years ago. I mean, two, two years at that time. Now, I want to say that I attempted to listen to a podcast about this guy, and they said that Gilman, Maxim, came over to the United States with his stepfather. But according to him and this information, where I got the background information. Dad, his father, his birth father came over. Then two years later, he and his mother followed. And then when the dad got citizenship, he went back to the Ukraine where he was reportedly killed. Oh. But in the interview with Maxim, he says that he never even laid eyes on his father. So I don't... That's kind of some...
1: Yeah, because Lonky in 1996, if he came over in 1996, he was nine years old. Mm-hmm. So he would have a memory of his of that. You would think, I would think so, unless yeah. it was totally traumatic.
0: Right. So Maxim became a citizen in 2005. By the way, apparently um, he was kind of really unpopular, and supposedly this amplified his paranoid and antisocial tendencies.
1: He was unpopular, like, at, at school. school? Yeah. Was he bullied or anything?
0: No, because he's described as a bully. Oh. But um, a lot of reports call him a skateboarder. Now, I don't know what, I mean, what that even means. So, like, he liked to skateboard. He dressed like a skateboarder. M- my thought on that is that maybe he was just kind of a little punkish. Like, he was just a punk skateboarder. Like, maybe he was just a douchebag. Okay. I mean, maybe he did, make because... He didn't really the pictures I saw he was not dressed like a, like the skaters that I know.
1: He was more um, where did he live when he became in where was he living? New York? So he's living like in New York City mm-hmm. or um, this he lives in
0: Sheep Sheep's Head Bay okay. which is like in Brooklyn.
1: All right, so he's, so even when he first comes over when he, as a child, he grew up in New York.
0: Yes, and this neighborhood that he grew up in it has a real high population of um, Middle, not Middle Eastern, sorry, but Eastern European
1: immigrants. Um, immigrants, okay. yes, and they
0: have a really low uh, crime rate in this neighborhood, so that was pointed out also.
1: But, so, after watching the interview with you, wait. I, Sorry, just a quick question, because I know that Eastern Europeans don't often contact the police. So I'm wondering if that could be a reason why there is a low crime rate or if they're just not criminals.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess they didn't really go into that. It just said that it was a low, low crime rate neighborhood. And that could be maybe it was an older population. Maybe it just maybe they weren't criminals. Okay, maybe they had to deal with they had somebody else they went to for that type of thing. I mean, I don't know. All right, so um, after watching these interviews, I can tell you that he was 100% a punk-ass
1: kid. All right, now I've got to see it. (laughs) I've got to see this. Did he have a Ukrainian accent? No. Mm -hmm. New York? Did he talk like a New Yorker? Yeah, he did,
0: he did. All right. Um, He also, not too, too bad, though. Not like, like you couldn't, not, not, it wasn't too bad, but yeah, he had a little bit of an accent. He was also known to law, um, very well known to law enforcement because he had multiple arrests for graffiti related crimes. He liked to tag walls and that sort of thing. Um, there were a few graffiti artists around that kind of vaguely knew him, but that he was just really an unwanted troublemaker. They didn't really want to have anything to do with him either. He does have six felony arrests, but none of them were like for drugs or stuff like that.
1: What? Would you have a felony arrest if they aren't for drugs, like stealing cars? I mean, felonies are...
0: Like getting in fights and like, because I know here where like, we live, you get in one fight, that's a misdemeanor and you get another battery charge. Like a battery charge okay. is a misdemeanor. You get another one, it's a felony.
1: So battery is a, a misdemeanor?
0: First time you get charged with, and if you aren't, like if it's not dropped or anything, it's a misdemeanor. The second time is a felony. Uh-huh which I'll have to tell you why I know that later. <laughs> I can't wait to hear this story. All right. So, Gelman was also known to be quite the drug dealer. Now, he, in his mind, he was this big-time ball and drug dealer. But other people say, no, he was kind of really just supporting his habit.
1: So, he's never been arrested for drugs, but he's a drug dealer. Correct. And he... Was he delusional? Like he, in his mind, he... so. We're getting there. Oh, all (laughs) right. Because this is where we're leading. You're telling me in his own mind, he thinks it's a big ass drug dealer. Yes. What kind of drugs did he deal with?
0: He he dealt with cocaine, prescription pills, and PCP.
1: Ooh, yeah.
0: Yeah, also known as angel dust, for those of you who might not know that.
1: I didn't even know. I mean, I remember like, Stories about this stuff, right?
0: Well, I do go. I did look up a little bit. Oh, you're going to
1: talk about it too? Yes, (laughs)
0: yes. All right. So, I do want to discuss the PCP angel dust for a hot minute. I think that most of us have heard of PCP. You might not really know what it is or what it does, but I can tell you that it will make you crazier than a yard dog. All right. So, according to Wikipedia, PCP may cause hallucinations, hallucinations, distorted perceptions of sounds, and violent behavior as a recreational drug. Which, do they use it for something not as a recreational drug? So, as a recreational drug. I don't drug, know. Do it, they?
1: I mean, is it, is it a medicine that you that your doctor will prescribe? It's not, right?
0: No, I've never heard of it being like that. It says as a recreational drug, it is typically smoked, but you can not take it by mouth, snort it, or inject it. Adverse reactions may include seizures, coma, addiction, and increased suicide. Increased risk of suicide flashbacks may occur despite stopping.
1: So, is PCP, is that the one that can make people, like, elephant strong? Yes. So, I wonder if that... Um, That little man that we saw jogging down the road the other day naked. A naked man? Yes. Oh,
0: possibly. He. T- I, I think I heard that he took all of his clothes off because he thought he was going to get, he thought that like they were contaminated with the coronavirus. Oh,
1: so he's just running home. Um. So PCP, is that, that is addiction? It is addicting, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So recreational doses of the drug also occasionally appear to induce a psychotic state that resembles schizophrenia an episode of Schizophrenia. There was once this famous rapper named Big Lurch. Um, His name was actually Antron Singleton, and he's serving life in prison for murdering and for murder and aggravated mayhem. Aggravated Uh, mayhem. Okay. He tried to eat his roommate. Oh. Cannibalism. Oh. And he he tried to plead not guilty by reason of insanity because he was in a crazy psychosis from taking PCP.
1: So did they let him? I mean... No, he was just found guilty. Oh, God.
0: All right. So this stuff is bad, and our guy this week loved it.
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. So, like I said, he is from Sheepsbed Bay, Brooklyn, New York.
1: Head Bay, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. Head Bay, Brooklyn, New York, which I've already said has a population, a large population of Eastern European immigrants in the area and a very low crime rate. Gilman would later go on to say that he purchased a kilo of cocaine. And he was traveling over the Brooklyn bridge, bridge when he started to notice that every car around him had official license plates and that his cell phone battery was dying really quickly, his text messages were all scrambled and messed up, and that his phone was randomly calling people by itself. So all of this led him to believe that the feds were following him on the bridge and that they had tapped his cell phone.
1: Now, did any of this actually occur? No. No.
0: I mean, like... It, I come out later, and I, and I, will I, I just want to
1: point out that she just shook her head no. <laughs> <laughs> like no one can see that, Cindy, <laughs> but me.
0: I will reveal okay. the whole like. So the official license,
1: official license plates, and cell phone battery dying—none of that was really happening.
0: Well, I mean, his his cell phone could have been dying. I mean, I don't, I don't know that they didn't really address that. But I can tell you that later on, I will say that. Um, the feds have were never on. The, he was never been on the right. He the was fed. not
1: like he was not under surveillance or anything. No. Mm-mm.
0: Okay. So he was so paranoid that he actually started believing that they were following him and all of that. So he ripped open the cocaine, rolled down his window, and threw it off the bridge. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh
1: huh. I'm not sure why he ripped now, into a it kilo he of cocaine. It. Like, can you tell me what a kilo is pound wise? Nope. All right, well, I'm going to look that up while you finish this. Okay.
0: So, paranoid and desperate not to get caught, he comes up with a plan to flee the country. He decides he's going to go to the Dominican Republic. I don't know what made him think the Dominican Republic is where I need to be. Well, it's beautiful. Okay. So, he goes to his mom's house where his passport is. So, according to him, he shows up at his mom's house to get the passport and to say goodbye. Because he loves his mother. She's like his favorite person on the planet. Um, He's very close with her. So he states that this is when he said that his dad died in Russia and that he had never seen him in the interview. So that's where I'm kind of a little wonky on those.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, who knows? And by the way, a kilo is 2.205 pounds. I was going to say. So he, well, so he actually just like dropped like two pounds of cocaine out the window. Out the window. Okay. Well, good. Hey, good riddance as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. All right. He told his mom when he shows up, and he shows up like in the very early morning hours, like four thirty, five o'clock. He tells his mom, look, I'm in trouble. The feds are on to me. I got to get out of here. I got to lay low. I need my passport so I can leave the country. And she thought, you, you're drunk. You can't be driving around. And she proceeds to take his car keys from him. Stating, yeah, she's like, he's like, no, mom, you don't understand. I'm in trouble. I got to go. He tries to reason with her, but she's not having any of it. And this is when his stepfather gets up, who, for the record, Gelman can't freaking stand.
1: So he's arguing, his mom is arguing with him about, you're not leaving. Let me take your keys. And then the stepfather walks into the kitchen.
0: Yes. So in the A&E interview, Gelman explains that he had formed a disgust for his mother's husband. He said that he would get drunk and treat his mother with disrespect, and he couldn't stand him for being this way to his mom. It is as if Gilman was kind of jealous of his stepfather. And a forensic psychologist actually talks about this because he feels like the stepfather is, because he was so close with his mom, he has to compete for her love and has to and so he's kind of jealous and this forensic psychologist that was watching the interview had actually been the one to interview him at trial. So and I'll discuss that. So is that he a an later. only
1: child? Yes. Okay. And how long had his mom been married to this stepfather because I know that when, you know, there's a single mom and one child it's hard when a stepfather comes in.
0: Yes. I didn't say. It didn't say. Okay. But I kind of got the gist. They, it wasn't like a new marriage. So they had been married a little while. Right. So he, uh, um, he says that the stepfather was a stinking, fat, ugly Russian with dirty briefs and a gut. <laughs> so he comes into the kitchen and he's screaming obscenities in Russian.
1: Have you ever read or seen the movie um, The Lightning Thief? Read the book The Lightning Thief?
0: The Percy Jackson? Yes. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. So this kind of reminds me of his stepfather. <laughs> yeah. That. because uh, oh, he's stinky
0: and he's yeah. always drinking
1: the beer. And he, right.
0: All right. So sorry. <laughs> nope, I get it. Um, paranoid and he's paranoid and he's angry and all of this is not a great combination for this hostile situation. So his anger goes quickly to rage, to from anger to rage to murder, like with the quickness. Holy so shit. Gelman grabs a kitchen knife and he stabs his stepfather. Gelman details the scene, stating that his dad or his stepdad was begging for help, asking his wife to call the police. He's killing me. He's killing me. He says all of this in Russian in the interview, but I will spare you my attempt in repeating. Thank you. So <laughs> he, he
1: was speaking Russian, Gelman was, Maxim, yeah. during this interview. Yeah,
0: whatever he said that that he's killing me, he's killing me, he said that in Russian.
1: So in the interview, is he actually speaking Russian or is he speaking English? Both. He's he's He's... English, oh English is the whole, he speaks English the whole
0: time, except for he says, he's killing me, he's killing me. But then he repeats okay. what that okay. is in Russian. All right. All right. So during the attack, the knife actually breaks. Oh, God. And Gelman grabs a... Is it a,
1: still stuck in his body? Oh, well, I don't know. They don't say.
0: Oh. <laughs> oh. So he grabs a carving fork and he starts stabbing his stepfather. He stabs him a total of 55 oh, times. Lord,
1: have mercy. Yeah.
0: This is where the forensic psychologist on the show says that Maxim released this rage. And this rage kind of turned into like a pleasurable moment for him. Because it was releasing all this pent-up anger. And then it re- kind of released it. So then it was just like, oh, like a euphoria. This is a new high. Yeah, exactly. So during the assault... Is all my cocaine's gone? And his PCP, apparently. <laughs> so during this assault, Maxim said that his mom picked up the phone and that he was in total disbelief that she would actually call the cops. He was like, she's not going to call the police, and she calls 911, and he was like, I love my mother, and I would never hurt her. So he took the keys, and he left. When the police arrive, they are informed that the person at fault was her only son and that he was driving a silver Lexus. The NYPD issue a bolo for Maxim Gillum, Gillman, and the manhunt begins.
1: Okay, so he's in, you said Brooklyn at this time. Yes. And, um, and his parents... He owns a Lexus, or it's his mom's? Well, he drove there, so I'm assuming it's that he owns a silver so Lexus. So they're pretty well off, then. They're living in a... I mean... I
0: mean, it really didn't indicate one way or another if how... I'm just curious. Yeah. So Gilman flees the city. His mind is racing, and his paranoia is in full force. He is going crazy at this point. Um... He thinks, well, you know, if I'm going to go down,
1: I ain't going down alone. Yep. I'm going to take some, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to, yep. I'm going to enjoy this high that I've just discovered. Yep. So Maxim is
0: convinced that there are people who have been snitching on him to the feds. So all this like paranoia, the feds are after me. It kind of all in his mind, he's starting to rationalize. Well, so-and-so must have been part of this. So now he thinks all these people got to die too. Rats must die. He said that rats must die. Um, He already had left Brooklyn, but as um, he's driving out of Brooklyn, he makes a decision to go back after his snitches. He turns the car around and heads back to Brooklyn. So where is he going? Well, Maxim is heading to the home of a former friend, Elena. Elena. Yelena. Yelena. That's not how they said it. Oh, it's not? No. Okay. <laughs> it's, at least that, that's not what it sounded like, but uh, it, that's what fine. Yelena? Say?
1: Yelena? What'd they say? Volchenko. what they I say? I thought they were
0: saying Elena. Okay, Elena. Okay. I have a Russian friend named Elena, so maybe that's why I think that.
1: Maybe it is. You just say it however you want. I will not crack you on our name.
0: <laughs> so, by all accounts, Maxim was infu- infatuated with this girl, but she wasn't really interested in him more than a friendship. Now, he, they do show some pictures. And even the person interviewing him on the TV show, they were like, well, you look like a couple. And he's like, well, I hang out with all my friends. I, you know, have pictures of all my friends. And I, you know, we just hung out and we partied together. So that's how he kind of was blowing it off. He wasn't saying that they were a couple. But it does, it, like, he's standing behind her, almost like a like a posed picture. And, like, a boyfriend would stand behind but you. But does and, she like, like him? They were friends, but they do get into kind of a little... A little tiff, so Maxim's convinced that she set him up to get robbed, so now he's out for blood and justice. He actually says Karma's a bitch, so he also states that he has zero remorse for what happened on the day, on that day, February eleventh.
1: And what year is this?
0: Two thousand and eleven. Two thousand eleven. So around nine a.m., he heads to Yelena's house with a list of about five people. So he's got a hit list. Oh. Okay. So she's she's first on his list. Oh. Two of Elena's friends are interviewed during this episode of Killer Speaks. Renata and Gerard. Gerard actually turns out to be her boyfriend. And both say that Elena's behavior had started to change. And they even confessed that drugs were in the picture. But Gerard goes on later to say that she just was started to clean up her life. And that's when she kind of withdrew from her friendship with um, Maxim. So, um... She was always a straight-A student. Her grades started to slip a little, and Gerard blames those bad influences. Enter Maxim Gilman. The two friends refer to Maxim by his street name, Wes. I will continue to address him by his government name, or Mad Max. Uh, Wes seems ridiculous to me. Okay, so
1: (laughs) Wes, um, where would he come up with such a name?
0: I don't know. I mean, because it's not as if his name is a difficult one to pronounce.
1: Well, and Maxim, is that name is found in in some form in almost every culture, yeah, I mean, he could just go by max
0: right, and his name is m a k s i m yeah
1: maxim that's an yeah. interesting spelling
0: so Maxim insists that Elena was attracted to him and that they would always flirt. He also claims that she helped him with his drug runs and that he paid her a couple of hundred dollars a day to drive him around to deliver his goods. However, when a stash house was burglarized, he convinced himself that she had something to do with it, that she set him up to get robbed. So in his mind, she had to go. Now, her friend does say that her Renata, Renata, who was her best friend, says that she didn't know how to drive. That she never drove him around.
1: Hmm. Well, maybe he drove her around. She just rode around with him.
0: Yeah. He referred to her as his driver. Oh. So I don't, I don't know. So nearly four hours after killing his stepdad, he stops at McDonald's for food, and he then he heads to her house. All right. Around 10 a.m., he arrives at her house, but he finds that she's not home, but her mother is there working from home. The, um, her mother was a, a travel agent that worked from home. Her mother's name is Elena. Or not Elena. I'm sorry, Anna. Anna was on the phone with a client when Maxim rang the doorbell. The client was able to hear that to hear Anna telling Maxim that her daughter wasn't home and that she was busy and didn't have time for his nonsense. The client says that he heard a scream and then the phone went dead.
1: Ooh, so that's exact time of death, and she he heard some of what was going on. Yes. Hmm.
0: So according to Gilman, Anna invited him in, and at and he asked where Elena was that day, and she told him that her daughter was at work. Now it comes out she knew exactly where her daughter was, but she was not at work but okay. she wasn't going to give that information right. to him. So he demanded for her to tell him where she worked, and the mom questioned him as to why he was asking all these crazy questions. When he doesn't, when she doesn't provide him with the information he is after, he begins stabbing her with a small knife. After being stabbed, she promised to tells, tell him where her daughter is, but instead she makes a run for the door. As she's trying to get to the door, he, I guess he's closer, so he's able to kick the door closed. And he actually saw a neighbor that was in the yard. And so he kicks the door closed and Anna then runs towards the kitchen. Maxim runs after her, sees a knife on the counter, like from a knife block, grabs a bigger knife and continues
1: to so stab her. just really quickly, he's sh- there's four hours. There are four hours between the time that he's killed his stepfather and he shows up at, at, at Elena's house. So did he shower and change clothes? Because he would have been bloody as hell after killing his stepfather, right? I would think so, too, but
0: there was no information providing what he was doing during that so time. So,
1: those four hours, who knows? Mm-hmm.
0: I think he was just driving around, being crazy. He went think, to McDonald's, yeah. he ate. So. I mean... He, Maybe he changed he, before. He I mean, had to have know. changed. I'm curious about that. Okay. Maxim rationalizes that if he can't get Elena, then he will kill... Killing her mother is the closest person to her. So, he knows that killing her mother will cause her heartache he dab he stabs he stabs <laughs> elena- <a> dab. <laughs> he, s- he stabs elena a dozen times with a large kick kitchen knife while he is stabbing her she says that she will never tell him where her daughter is gelman states that anna died with honor not like a coward
1: oh so hey that's that's Positive criticism, right? (laughs) I guess. So
0: he leaves the house and is driving around looking for Elena's work. He knew that she was a dental assistant on King's Highway is what he says. So he went there driving up and down the highway looking for her. Within 10 hours, Gelman had driven around, all around, and searched for the people who had wronged him. He went to a couple different people's houses, too. They just weren't there. So Elena had been at her friend's house the entire time, completely unaware of the horrific events of the day. Oh,
1: shit. Oh, no.
0: So she begins her way home, walking. Oh, no. Yeah. So she's headed home from her best friend, Renata's. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. As Elena is walking home, Renata becomes aware that the police are looking for Maxim. She received a picture of the wanted, note, wanted notice with his face on it. She immediately called Elena, asked her where she, when was the last time she spoke to Maxim, and Elena said that she hadn't spoken to him to six to seven months. So, I mean, it had been quite some time. Renata was really worried about her friend, who also um, assured her that she would be fine. She had just gotten home. She was actually putting her key in the door as her friend called her. She said that um, she would just call her friend back once she got inside. When she got inside, she found the horrific scene, uh, you know, found her mom dead.
1: Okay, hold up. Back up the truck. The guy that was on the phone with the mother, did he not call 911? Apparently not. So he hears somebody screaming. All oh, this, oh, you're, I'm going to kill you! And he and the phone hangs no, up. No, no, no,
0: no. He he didn't hear all that. He just heard her. Um, he heard a scream. Okay, I'm sorry. The I, would I would have called nine one one. I would have too, but yeah, I would have too. But he might
1: not have known. The like where the police to can her? trace the call, right? They I mean, can they their trace calls. the calls, yeah,
0: and I guess they could, like, backtrack the number. I mean, it was 2011, not 1983, but... So, she found, she walks in, and she finds a horrific scene, and she calls 911, finding her mother dead. She was quite hysterical, as I, I imagine that you would be. So, unfortunately, as Elena is calling 911, Gelman decides to drive back by her house, and she's waiting outside. Oh, shit. So, she's waiting outside for the police and fire rescue to arrive, she then calls a friend who calls another friend, her boyfriend, the Gerard guy. Gerard can't keep can't get a hold of Elena, so he keeps calling her phone and she's not answering. So he gets in his car and goes over there. Um this is right about the same time that Gelman arrives. And he All arrives right. before anyone else.
1: So many questions. Just again. So Yelena is saying, No, I have not. I've broken off ties with this guy, I haven't seen him in six or seven months. But he's saying, oh, yeah, we have this secret relation. We had this relationship. And
0: yeah, he's he doesn't give any indication when the last time he had actually spoken to her. He just in his mind, whenever he was robbed, I'm assuming he blamed her. So they stopped talking then. So that could have been six to seven months. But he did not say that in his interview.
1: Okay, so we don't know when, if he say that she drove him around and all that, and it's it's not true, she didn't drive him around. I mean, yeah, because the
0: friend says that she didn't even know how to drive. So Gelman states that when he pulled into the driveway, Elena was on the phone. He gets out, and he has the knife, like, tucked into his sleeve so she couldn't see it. And he says that he just walked up to her, and in the interview, he gets this crazy look in, in, on his face, and then he goes, and she just goes, Max? And, like... Oh, no, no, no. She calls him Wes, too. He goes, she goes, Wes? Wes? And that's how he, he just says it, like, in this very weird, creepy way. And he's waving the knife around, and there's a neighbor that tried to actually intervene. Like Probably the same neighbor. Um, but he goes around the neighbor. He's able to overpower and get past the neighbor, and he starts slashing at the neighbor. Then he overpowers um Both of them pushing the neighbor out of the way, and he begins to stab Elena with the same kitchen knife that he used to stab her. Are they
1: outside right
0: now? Yes. Maxim says that she took a couple of steps and then fell down, and then he got in his car and started to back out, but then he thought to himself, what if she's not dead? So then he goes back, and he picks Elena up by her hair and cuts her throat from one side to the other. He almost decapitated her. Oh, Lord. So, fire um, and EMS show up, and one fireman actually tries to chase him down. They see him, and they, they begin chasing him, but he's able to get to his car and speeds off. The boyfriend arrives and sees all this chaos and says um, that Elena was alive when she left the scene, but one of the EMS tapped him on the shoulder and said that they weren't sure that she was going to make it.
1: This is a boyfriend of Renata. His friend comes up. and No, the boyfriend s-
0: of Elena. Oh,
1: Gerard. Sh- oh, okay. I'm confused. I thought Gerard was... Renata's Mm-mm. boyfriend. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gerard is her boyfriend.
0: Yes, Gerard is Elena's boyfriend. So the boyfriend is distraught, falling to his knees, and Elena had been stabbed 11 times and then her throat slashed. Oh. So within minutes, the police are, like, swarming the area. Gelman says that, he says that the police passed him on the road and saw him and they didn't even recognize him. I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, if there's a bolo out, that, because they put two and two together pretty quickly. Um, he decides to abandon his vehicle in just the middle of the street. They showed pictures of this, and he just, like, stops the car, gets out, and he carjacks a nearby vehicle. So he knocks on the window of a car, and the driver's name is Arthur DeCrestio. DeCrescento.
1: Sure. De, de, de DeCrescento, yes.
0: So, he lowers the window, and Gelman jumps through the window, pulls the knife out, tells the driver to get the fuck out of the car, and he says that this guy is looking at him like he, like he's crazy. Because you are.
1: <sighs> so, he stabs the driver twice. So, the driver was like a deer in headlights. Like, what the fuck <laughs> is going on? Yes. Yeah.
0: So, he stabs the driver twice. The driver jumps out of the car, and Gelman drives away. So, that's like, vict- we're up to victim number four here.
1: Okay. So, we've got the stepdad. We've mm-hmm. got the neighbor. We've got Elena. And now we've got this car yeah. driver. This I'm guy. not even counting the neighbor getting slashed. Oh, who's the other f- person then? The mom. So. Oh, okay. Yes. Y- Yelaine, uh, Elena's mom. Yes. All right. Now, my question is, I did have a question, but don't remember it.
0: Mm. Go ahead. All right. So the carjacking victim is taken to the hospital and is in a critical condition, but he but he does survive.
1: He does not die. So what kind of knife is he stabbing people with? Because at first you said a small knife. That's what he first started. That's what he stabbed. So what is he using Anna with? In? And he grabbed the
0: like the big butcher knife okay. out of her kitchen, but then another victim says he has a machete, but. I'm not sure. It was probably just a, I'm sure I would think it was a machete, too, if I saw it coming at me. But I think it was just that same kitchen knife. Okay. It's like a big butcher knife. So now he's in a stolen vehicle, and he's driving like a fucking madman through the streets, not caring about a soul. He's running stop signs, running lights, weaving in and out. Those are the
1: scariest kind, because, you know, the only way that this is going to be solved is by killing him. He's not going to give give up, right? Obviously, he did, or he wouldn't be t- telling his story. Right. But it's almost like I'm surprised he's still alive.
0: I am, too. I mean, all the shit that he's going through. And then,
1: you know, like you said, you
0: brought up the, like, elephant man strength, you know. Yeah, like, the PCP. The PCP, yeah. and that does, you know. I mean, because lots of people can't overpower him. I mean, we'll get to all that, you know. Um, so as this lunatic is on the loose at at a nearby intersection, so he's driving crazy through the streets. um, Steven Tantenbaum, Tannenbaum, Tannenbaum, is crossing the street. Gelman states that he never even saw him. He just heard him. He saw. He noticed that the windshield was now cracked, and that he heard something go over the, like the ho- the roof oh, of the car. Lord. Well, um, so he hits this guy, runs him over. It's a hit and run because he doesn't stop, and this gentleman dies. is, pr- is taken to the hospital and pr- is pronounced dead. Uh. Um, They showed, you know, scenes of like uh, news footage of them putting him into the ambulance and he was a rare coin expert and like his coins are all over the road and they're like cleaning up all that. Yeah, it was it was bad. So um, and at some point during here, there's um, I mentioned it here in a second, but apparently he injures a a crossing guard, but there's no name. It just says unknown crossing guard and there's not any information that it was found. I couldn't find it other than that that was one of his victims was an unknown crossing guard. So I don't know if maybe they, like, ran him off the road and they got, you know, some bumps and bruises or, or what. Um, Gowan also proceeds to claim that this was a total mistake. This guy had nothing to do with his drama that day. He was just trying to get away, and the police
1: were on his tail. It's still first-degree murder, right, in, the, in a felony?
0: I don't know if it, that would be first-degree Are they going to him charge it with
1: hit-and-run?
0: They do charge him with hit-and-run and carjacking.
1: Um, All right. Well, I know you're going to get to that, but I was just, I you know, it's, he's saying that the killing of this guy wasn't total accident, but you can't say total accident if you're acting recklessly. Right. Yeah, exactly. So
0: a news reporter relates Gelman to a tornado. Net with never knowing where his tornado of his tornado of terror would touch down next, because they were like all on high alert, and you know it's all over the news, and people are just like because he's all over the place, and people are scared because when we think of New York as this big bad city, but you know Brooklyn is you know a lot of these especially like in his neighborhood, they're like this is our neighborhood, this shit's going on in our neighborhood, you know it's too close. For comfort for them.
1: Well, I think any no matter where you are, you have a crazed murderer running the streets. People are going to get scared.
0: Right. So, because
1: now he's killed three
0: people. Four people. He's killed four people now, including the head The, hit stepdad, and
1: run, um, them, the Anna, Elena, and now Tannenbaum. Yes.
0: Okay. All right. So, the NYPD are all over the place. The media is going crazy. They are plastering his face everywhere. So, as night fell on February 11th, Gelman was still on the loose. They had no idea. They were like... It's like he was an expert at hiding out. He was, there weren't like any sightings being reported or anything. He states that he hid out in abandoned freight tracks and hid in tunnels. These are the same tunnels that he used to tag with graffiti. So he kind of knew these areas and he was dunking in and out of those areas. He said that um, like he could see the helicopters flying above with their lights trying to f- search for him, but he was doing a very good job of eluding the police and he was still in Brooklyn. You know, you would, you would think you'd get the fuck out of Dodge, you know. Um, but he knows that he needs to get out of there before his time is up. So around 1 a.m., Gelman hails a taxi. It puts a knife to the throat of the taxi driver. Yeah. and But this causes some chaos in the car, so the guy ends up crashing the taxi. And Gelman jumps out and runs away. Now, the taxi cab driver does suffer from cuts on his neck, but nothing.
1: So the cuts on his neck are from the knife.
0: Yes, but they're not like... It just Superficial, Yes, yes. All right, so sometime later, like within a couple of hours, I I wouldn't think it was even a couple of hours because this Sheldon Pottinger is awaiting for his wife after a late-night church service. So I was thinking probably like a midnight mass. Uh-huh. So, he sees a man approach the car and pull on the door. The man is wielding a knife. Now, this guy said he was, this is where the machete so, comes in. So,
1: Sheldon, Sheldon Pottinger, or whatever his name is, mm-hmm. is like waiting in a parking lot of a church, maybe, or on the side of the road. Yeah. By, okay. So, he's waiting for his wife to get out.
0: Yes. Okay. And um, so, he's the one who says that he had a, that Maxim had a machete. But all other reports say that it was like that big butcher knife. So the man is screaming that he will kill Pottinger if he doesn't get out of the car. Pottinger tries to kick him off, like, with his feet. He's, like, trying to kick him out of the car. But Gelman forces his way to the car and pushes the driver to the passenger seat and just steps on the gas. So the car obviously was already turned on, and he just, like you said, he's waiting for his wife. So the entire time, this Sheldon Pottinger is fighting and kicking Gelman. Gelman is telling the guy to get out of the car And the um, Sheldon guy was like, Well, slow down and let me get out. And he was like, I'm not slowing down. Because
1: you're going 80 miles per hour in New York City?
0: Yes. All right. All right. So he's, so this is when Gilman says that he was like, Wow, this guy is crazy. Because the the Pottinger guy just opens up the door and jumps from the car. And the,
1: yeah, go ahead. The
0: interview with Sheldon, Sheldon was like, I don't care if I lose a foot. He was like, I just got to live. So he just opened up. And jumped out, and Gelman says that he heard, dum, 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 do dum, dum, like he was, like, hitting all this stuff. But miraculously, um, Sheldon Puttinger has two small stab wounds and just a few bruises, several bruises. So, but he was stabbed. Yes. But th- he said they were
1: just two small stab that's wounds. That's why I'm wondering what kind of knife it was. I mean, I don't know anything about stabbing anyone. Well, he said he had a machete. Right. I mean, that's not a small knife. So, no, because you think that you get you had two stab wounds by a machete, and a machete is not a stabbing knife no, anyway. It's like um, no, that's a slicing, a swinging like, like yeah. you swing it. That's yeah. why I
0: think that it was probably just still the butcher knife, and he just didn't get good stabs in. Uh-huh. So they were just like little like the tip. All right, I I'll just put the tip in. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> All right. So Gilman escapes through nearby. Um, through the nearby borough of Queens. So he gets out of Brooklyn, and he goes to a parking garage, and he parks there, and he rests for the night. He, get, like, lays down and gets some, gets some nap time in. So around 6 a.m., the car wouldn't start. So he starts walking, and he goes to a deli, and he says he buys a sandwich. He buys a hero is what he says, and he bought a drink.
1: He has got to have blood all over him.
0: I would think so, too. I mean, I don't know. I, I would think that he would have blood all over him. So, this is when he gets a little paranoid again. He sees a guy, or what he thinks is a guy following him. So, he believes that the feds are back on his trail. So, Gelman gets on a subway to see if the guy is following him. And he's like, and he came to the subway. But if they're kind of like in one of those areas where people are going to the subway at 6 a.m. in the morning, Mm -hmm. I mean, so.
1: Yeah, everybody's heading in the same direction, right?
0: Yeah. So, at one of the stops, Gelman jumps out to lose the guy. Then he gets on another train. And by 8 a.m., He's in Manhattan. As he's riding the train, he sees a lady reading a newspaper, and he sees this mugshot. Ooh. Yeah, he's like, oh, shit. So, however, this lady sees him, too. So, she recognizes him right away, and she is so frightened that she gets off the train or the subway as fast as she can, and she finds a police officer and tells them
1: that she just saw him on the subway. Okay, so she recognized him, and he didn't follow her when she got off.
0: No. mm -mm. I don't think because... Later in his interviews, some things he says, I don't think he she must have played it off really well. So she got off like she was normally getting she, off. I
1: would have just dialed nine one one on my cell phone and just stayed I off. To, I yeah. But I guess she was so freaked out yeah, that she was like, like I gotta get hell. off this train yeah. and
0: go alert somebody. Yeah.
1: So she went and she found a
0: police officer. Okay. So at this point he's trapped on the trapped in the subway system with very few options left for him to escape the police are swarming the subways and closing in on him now
1: does he know that the police know he's on the subway he gets the idea here in a
0: few minutes he's like someone must have because he says all right right so the subway that he happens to be on is departing Times square so this is the busiest part of the day i mean one of the busiest parts of the day people are going to work it's rush hour Mm -hmm. everyone's on the on the subways
1: and he's in Times square so he's, he's on a subway departing from Times Square. Yes. All right.
0: I mean, there's lots of freaking people ah, at yeah. the time. Yes. So the NYPD alert the motorman of the train. Excuse me. And the train is stopped due to an ongoing police investigation. They say, we're stopping the trains now. There's a police investigation going on. And he hears all of this. So this is when he's like, okay, someone clearly spotted me. And turned me in. I mean, and you know, they the did police.
1: that all wrong. They should have said stop due to um, an ongoing electrical issue or something right. like that.
0: But he's not really a dumb guy. So he probably would have assumed that anyway. That, right. Yeah, right. But still. But yeah. So he jumps off the train and down onto the train tracks he then sees police searching the tracks. He says he can see their flashlights, and then he sees an escape. There's a slow-moving train going in the opposite direction, so he actually jumps onto it. It's going slow enough that he's able to jump onto it between the cars. This is like a movie. I know, right? <laughs> so he jumped, and he goes to the conductor's booth, and he starts banging on the door, and he says open the door, this is official business. Open the door, this is official business. And the lady asked him, well, why, the, his interviewer was asking why were you saying that? And he was, he was in his mind, he was like, well, if I'm banging in the door and I'm screaming this is official business, they'll think I'm one of them, and they'll open the door. And so also in his irrational thoughts, his idea was that he was going to hijack this train. And where exactly was he going to take it? Just in circles? I mean, I guess till he could get somewhere, we could jump off. All I mean, all right. I don't mm-hmm. think he thought that far ahead.
1: Um, he, he, he doesn't seem to be thinking through. He just knows that he's going to go kill these people on his hit list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But and he now, has no plan to... He had no plan. No, I think he knew...
0: It. He was going to get caught eventually. So he was going to do cause all the mayhem and take out all the people that he needed to take out with him. Because he said, if I'm going down, they're going down with me. He's not going alone. So he was still beating on this door. Well, the door finally opened and it was a police officer who opened the door. Oh, good. So Gelman attempted to stab the police officer, but he missed him. He was too quick and he missed him. So he slams the door. I guess he jumps in and slams the door. And then he's confronted by this Joe Lozito. 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 Yeah, they said he's like six foot six, okay. six foot three. Six Is he th- the police officer? No, he's somebody okay. else. All right. So, and this comes back. So keep that in your pocket about the police officer. Where did the police officer go? All right. So when Gelman reaches for the knife, Joe goes in because he's like a real big MMA fan. Uh huh. So he tries to go in for like a double leg, like you know, being that we race wrestlers. Right. I know exactly what he's trying to do, but he goes in too high. Okay. And instead of taking out his legs, he gets him around the waist. So all it does is it kind of, like, throws Gelman off balance. But he's still on this PCP. Like, he's probably doing PCP the entire time. And that is kind of um, the doctor says that. The forensic psychologist or psychiatrist says that he's probably doing these drugs, what drugs he might still have on his person, the entire time. Right. That's why he's still, like, just going and going and going. Well, unfortunately, he shot in too high, and he ended up around his waist. They fall to the ground, and they're kind of fighting. Well, the Joe guy says all he hears is, and he hears Gelman, and he's grunting, and he's breathing heavy. He's stabbing the guy in the back of the neck oh with that knife. Oh, my God.
1: And but the guy, ta- he's talking about it, so he didn't die. Yes. So, yes, he died. No, 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 he did
0: not die. Okay. He's He's fine now. But he, the guy, Joe, says he realizes there is just blood
1: How pouring out I of his head. have never
0: heard the story? I know, right? So... Blood is just pouring out of this poor guy's head. So um, he stabbed him seven times in the head and neck. Shit. And in his demented mind, he was going to take this man hostage. He's like, this guy's going to be my hostage, and I'm going to be able to get away. All right, so during this fight with Joe, a police officer sees an opportunity, pulls his weapon, and points it at Gelman. Gelman is not really deterred by this at all. He's like... I'm not I'm not stopping what I'm doing right now. And so the cop puts his gun away and grabs Gilman by both arms. And apparently this cop, because he did mention that the cop was kind of a big guy, and this cop was able to overpower him. So 28 hours later, Maxim Gilman is arrested in Times Square.
1: Wow. So this whole crime spree was 28 hours. Yes. And this cop, okay, so a couple things here, but... You pull your weapon and you point it, and then you put it away. (laughs) I'm sorry. If I'm pulling my weapon, I'm probably going to use it. But you have to think, this
0: is on a subway car. Okay. There's lots of people. They're fighting. These two guys are fighting. So
1: I'm picturing this being, like, in the conductor's area where there aren't people. Yeah. Like, I'm imagining things like. But there's people
0: past that conductor area, too. And if he's stabbing him in the neck, that means that Joe guy's probably on top of him. And right. he's Stabbing him, so he can't really get a good shot without yeah. maybe shooting the Joe guy. So in the interview, Maxim asked if he feels is asked if he feels bad, and he says, "I was upset. I was caught. I was going to jail. I would have done it a little differently, but what's done is done. So no remorse whatsoever. No. Mm-mm. He still believes the feds were after him, even though there is no proof whatsoever. He thinks the feds allow. He actually thinks the feds were allowing him to kill these people. He was like, he calls it, he says, I just think the feds and the NYPD had a miscommunication.
1: So it's not his fault that all these people are dead. It's the FBI's.
0: Yeah, he's, he's like, he well, you know, he was kind of astonished that the FBI didn't come in and and stop him from creating right, these Right, because people. he
1: was delusional and thought that they were following the him. The entire
0: time, watching him do this. I told you, it's crazy. So he attempted to plead guilty by reason of insanity, but the forensic psychiatrist deemed him to not be inflicted with any type of mental disease and could appreciate the gravity of his actions at the time of the killings. So he pleads guilty to four counts of murder and multiple counts of robbery, assault, and carjacking.
1: All right. So he's not, he is not, does not have any sort of mental health issue. He's totally 100% sane. Well, he's
0: not like, well, I mean, he's not insane by mental disease, meaning that he can't, he's so, like, he's not so cuckoo. That doesn't mean he's not not a sociopath. There's no uh, bipolar disorder or... No, that's not, that's, no, yes, he... He's, I think they deemed him as a sociopath, but he doesn't have like he's not so crazy that he doesn't know what he's doing. All right,
1: because the delusions were brought on, the psychosis were brought on by drugs. By drugs, yes. Right.
0: So on January eighteenth, two thousand twelve, Gelman appeared in the New York Supreme Court, Kings County, for his sentencing. Sitting, um, sitting in court next to his attorney, he was reportedly being unruly, yelling, laughing at the judge and family and friends of his victims. What an asshole! Yeah at the conclusion of the trial the supreme um new york state supreme court judge justice vincent del Guidici, sure sentenced gelman to 200 years in prison telling gelman you are a violent sociopath as if this guy couldn't get couldn't get any fucking crazier he does this shit in court okay so when he was being sentenced for stabbing the guy on the train joe joe Lozito, he in court gets into a verbal altercation with joe in court and delivers this message the only thing i have to say is kim kardashian will you marry me i'll make it last more than 72 days
1: so he's actually trying to act like he's crazy here or something yeah
0: he's just fucking out of his mind yeah so with that he was sentenced to an additional 25 years on top of his 200 years
1: so yeah an additional 25 years for getting in the verbal altercation with joe no the or because of him. oh Okay. So he got gotcha.
0: 200 years for four counts of murder and okay. got 25 years for stabbing Joe. In the spring of 2012, Joe was, br- the Joe guy, was brutally stabbed and grievously won- wounded, deeply slashed around the neck and head. He sued the police department for negligence in failing to render assistance as he was being attacked. He states that reporters. He told reporters that he decided to file, file the lawsuit, allegedly after learning from a grand jury member that the police officer, Terrence Howell, testified that he hid from Gelman before and while Lazito was being attacked because Howell thought Gelman had a gun. In response to the suit, attorneys for the city of New York argued that the police had no duty to protect Lazito or any other persons from Gelman. I'm sorry, what?
1: All right, so so I'm trying to understand this first of all, Lizito heard this from a member of the grand jury, which by the way, is illegal for any member of the grand jury to speak about the case, correct after i because this think... was
0: after I guess
1: like he was and that would be hearsay, right? I mean, unless it's actually written down somewhere well, on it July that he testified that he did yeah. from Gelman, yeah, I don't know. I mean, to me, I I guess, yeah, if the cop was there, why didn't he come save my ass? I don't get it. I mean, that's
0: kind of what they sign up for, right? Unless
1: you're afraid to shoot the guy because you're afraid that if you shoot, you might miss Gelman and hit the other guy. Right, but he was
0: saying he hid because he thought Gelman had a gun.
1: Yeah, I would have to see the proof of that. Well,
0: on July 25th, 2013, a judge dismissed the lawsuit, stating that while Lazito's account of this attack rang true and appeared highly credible, Chan agreed that the police had no special duty to protect him.
1: Okay, well, I mean, he kind of imposed himself in there and jumped in. And we, I mean, when somebody has a hero complex, we can't, you know, the, the... I would say that the officer, his main goal was to protect everyone on the subway. If someone chooses to jump in and impose themselves in the situation, you're going to protect everyone else or you're going to protect the person that jumped in. I mean, I don't know, I don't know the situation, so I'm not going to go against what the police officer did. Right. Until I would see more evidence. I mean, of, but if,
0: but if he testified that he hid from Gilman.
1: Yeah, that would, that would have to be something that I would need to see in writing. Because
0: that's kind of like that, mm-hmm. um, that SRD, the shooting yes, that happened.
1: in Park, what, Parkland or? Yeah. In, in Orlando, where the yeah, SRD, down, like.
0: Yeah, in South Florida. Yeah, where they he like hid and didn't. Was it Orlando go. or was it no, Tampa? No, it, it was um, like the Fort Lauderdale area. I think. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, it could be closer to Orlando. I really I'm thinking no idea. maybe
1: Pulse the nightclub. At, oh yeah, that night. was
0: Orlando. Um, but anyway, I was just like, that's crazy to me. That all of that is just.
1: It is. It is crazy if there's any truth to it. Um, absolutely, I would think that if the officer hid then he should be reprimanded somehow or lose his job.
0: Right. Well, Maxim Gilman is inmate number 12A0765 and is serving, serving his sentence at Windy Correctional Facility, a maximum security prison in Alden, New York. His earliest release date release dates would be March 29th, 22? 2218. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he will never be released, and for good reason. But, you know, he's, he's in company. He's got company. Mark David Chapman is there, and so is
1: Harvey Weinstein. Now. Okay, now Mark David Chapman. Why don't I know that name? He's the guy who killed John Lennon. Oh, I'm surprised that he's not in a mental institution. Didn't he have like awful delusions and things? Yeah, but he's there. Okay, and um, and
0: Maxim did say he was like he didn't. This is what he said he he didn't want to be in a um in a mental institution because he said people there are really mental.
1: Mm-hmm. You think? So. so is he at a mental? A uh, no. mental correctional facility or no? No, it's just a maximum
0: security prison. All right, so
1: Mark David Chapman is not in a mental... Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. I thought he still had, like, delusions and things.
0: They probably have him medicated now. Okay. And so Harvey Weinstein's there, so he's got some company.
1: Good. Mm-hmm. All right. So... Well, uh, so thanks. That was awesome, Cindy. Uh, God, I can't believe I've never heard of that one before. I know. I was
0: very surprised. And there wasn't, you know, like I said, there was that one podcast on him. And then... um I mean, there a lot, there was some articles. I couldn't find any court records.
1: I'm definitely going to need to look up this guy and, and watch that Killer Speaks episode. Yeah, yeah. because
0: he's got, I mean, yeah. he has got the crazy Because I
1: even, like, when I just, um, it, when I just looked it up to see if his clothes were blood-soaked, yes, we did say that they were.
0: They were, but that was, like...
1: Yeah, but he had, like, a, it said that he had some sort of, like, shrine to the slain victim, um, to Elena, and it said that he had some sort of, like, love shack where he had graffiti of her name all over the place. Yeah,
0: that he was As, very much, like, obsessed with her.
1: Yeah, and it was littered with hypodermic needles, so he was he was shooting God, up. Ugh. he was just a, he, yeah. he was
0: and, – and you see – now, granted, it was, you know, several years ago, and he was obviously younger then, but he was, like, thinner than what he looks. Like, he looks fairly healthy. He's not a fat guy, but he does – look a little bit healthier than what he did at that time. That time he kind of looked a little
1: strung out. He did look strung out. Okay. Well, very interesting. So you want to give a shout out to those people who have left us some good reviews? Yes,
0: I sure will. So um, like Mercedes mentioned earlier, we're going to try to do some shout outs for people who leave us reviews and we can only see the reviews as if you leave us a message. So if you actually, instead of just rating us and moving on, if you rate and then review, so you type out something. Um,
1: So here we go. Yeah, you could type out anything, such as, you know, I don't know, the sky is blue. Anything, yeah. Or tell us about your favorite murder. We would really like to know, um, get ideas for murders that you'd like us to research. Yeah, leave us a recommendation. All right, so I'd like to
0: thank Andrea, Jonathan, Isaac, Lucas, Samantha, Christina, after the Snap Pod, Murderific, The Review Guy, Lindsay Anderson, Roman, Ballin' and Callin', Slappies. Uh, I don't... Fistin'. Fistin'. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Um, Will, Juliet, M K, Baby Blue Texas 81, and Magnetic Mismatch. Thank you very much for your encouraging reviews.
1: Yeah, and if you'd like to hear us shout out your name, leave us a five-star rating and review. You do have to type something again. Anything. We don't care what you say. Just say something.
0: Please. So thank you so much for listening. We hope that you are just intrigued by this week's murder as we were. We appreciate sharing our passion with you, and we thank you for your support. If you'd like to support us even further, please subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star rating. While there, leave us a comment telling us absolutely anything. Your subscription and ratings are essential to our success and helps push us up the charts. You can do this on your favorite platform. For more information and links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages, please visit us at itwesntmetruecrime.com.
1: We are so grateful to spend our time together to share our murderous stories. Thanks so much for listening and supporting us and not thinking that we're weird for our obsession. We would like to thank our Patreon supporters. They are the extra. You too can become one of our beloved patrons by signing up at patreon.com forward slash it wasn't me pod. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a rating. Thanks again, guys. And remember, it it wasn't wasn't me. me.